everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for July. Um, joining me, uh, I know I sound a bit busy. I'm almost sounding a bit buzzing, you know. I'm almost like full of energy. It's like I've gone back to the hive I'm dancing about. I'm trying to tell a story and I'm trying to tell this story to you this evening, good listeners. Because joining me from Alexa Board Games, I've got this game called Queen Bee. And bringing me that game called Queen Bee, it's Mike Runer. Oh, sorry, I forgot the B. It's Mike Bruner. So, hello, Mike. Hello, hello. How are I'm you? Very, very good. It's um, it's. I was going to say it's nice and sunny outside, but it's actually it's getting to that point of the evening where it's getting a bit, it's getting a bit dark. So all the bees will be going back to their hive, which is. Good. Um, I guess we should start off by saying hello to everybody out there. Um, the reason that we do this is quite simple. is because um, we've done 300 of these and it just seems rude to stop now. We might as well just kind of like keep on going until somebody stops us. So there you go. And the second reason that we do this is because um, I like to... <laughs> I'm kind of like a Facebook group squatter and Mike was on one of these Facebook groups talking about his game <laughs> so I kind of like jumped in his DMs and went hi Mike and he went who are you stay away or I'll set the dogs on you and uh, that's not true but uh, we had a conversation and he's here to have a chat with us about his game which is going to be coming to Kickstarter in about four weeks time so there you go um, what we like to do though is we like to find out a little bit about the man in charge of the hive. Um, so to start us off, do you want? Have you got? First of all, have you got an interest in bees in general? Uh, no. Um, the the game uh essentially is named after a drill that I used to do. Um, when I was on a wrestling team back in junior high school, all right. Uh, but, I don't, but I don't have a a passion or an interest necessarily in bees themselves. So what was okay? Did you do okay? Just so you started off. You were you on the re, you were on the wrestling team in high school. I was. And is it the kind of the? It's not. You're not doing like the Ultimate Warrior <laughs> kind of Hardy Boys kind of wrestling this is the one where you're basically two guys on a mat trying to get each other on their back kind of thing is that the kind yeah. of thing that you're talking about yep yep so the 
the Hardy Boys was Ultimate Fighting or uh, MMA, and they didn't have that in high school, and <laughs> that's probably a good thing because I don't know that I would be too good at that. But wrestling, I was uh, decent at, and yeah. Did you did you carry on through high school then? Did you carry on all the way into kind of like senior year? Was that something that you kind of specialized in as you were kind of going through high school? So um, I started wrestling when I was five years old. My dad was the, um, he ran the youth program and I was really good in junior high. Uh, My eighth grade Uh year, I went undefeated and, and was really promising. And by the time I got to about my junior year, I was kind of burnt out on it and I was, I played baseball, I played soccer, I played football. I did just about every mm-hmm. sport you could do. And so when I started to get mm-hmm. interesting um, and really good at wrestling, it's about the time that I quit um, and focused on other sports. Okay. <laughs> so my dad was a little bit disappointed in that because he's like, no, this is what we've, these 15 years that we put into this, that's what we've put it in for, and, and now you're quitting. But uh, he understood. I was. Was this you just. Was this just you rebelling against them, man? <laughs> Can I, not that. Yeah, no. What are you, what are you going to do yeah, instead? No, I, I'm going into science. <laughs> I'm going into board games, Dad. I'm going to be a weatherman. I'm going to be... <laughs> I'm going into entomology. I'm going to be studying insects, Dad. He's just like, you can't wrestle insects. Watch me. It's just cutting, cutting to you, kind of like doing the mixture of the two on a mat with like a little kind of beetle kind of going well that flipped really easy on its back <laughs> taking a note moving on to a ladybird <laughs> flipping that on its back and then i take it i take it what happened then is you try to get you tried that nonsense on with the bee and the bee wasn't having anything of it and then you were like oh i've actually met my match now because i can't flip a bee on its back so this makes it an interesting insect. Is that kind of what happened, or am I just completely making um, this up? That's not exactly how the story goes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think my yeah, well, no, it sounds good. great. But... I, I, you know, I think you know if they're doing a, I think if they're doing a Hollywood movie when you you know when they do your Hollywood film, you know of you as your life as a successful kind of tabletop board game type person. I think that is the story that they'll potentially lean towards, apart from probably slightly differently from the way you're about you're about to kind of tell it. Now, so did, did you, is that what you did? Did you then going to go out and say, right, Dad, I've gone and got myself some carcass on? And he was like, ah, oh, you've got yourself in a cardboard. I can't believe it. You're no son of mine. Kind uh, no. Of um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, my my interest in board gaming or my passion for board gaming um didn't really come in into play much I, I played games here and there growing up um but recently it's it's kind of taken off mm-hmm. and and the the queen bee drill that we did in wrestling um to get back to the to the root of of the game was it's essentially you do you go you line everybody up based on their weight and you give everybody a, or you number everybody and all the evens go to one side and all the odds go to the other side. And then each team picks one person that they want to call the queen bee. And um, then then you go and everybody's objective is to try and get to that queen bee and flip them to their back and, 
and the team that wins doesn't have to do the extra conditioning. The team that loses has to do the extra conditioning. Um, so that's kind of was the basic concept that I had that I thought would be fun to bring to a board game. Um, and that kind of took mm-hmm. care of the two-player aspect of the game. And then I kind of combined it with the sharps and minnow concept of, hey, if, if my colony comes and takes over your colony or your queen, the rest of your bees start working for mine. And so there's no player elimination up until the very end. So if I come over and take your queen, then you keep playing. You're just now loyal to my queen bee, and we work together mm-hmm. and try to take over the rest of the board. All right, okay. I, I mean, are you a regular kind of player of games anyway? You know, do you, do you kind of get involved in the kind of the hobby scene yourself? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, more so now than um, ever before. And to, my my focus is really on family games. I got a lot of uh-huh. kids at home and they want time with dad and with mom. And so we break out a, a board game. So uh-huh. I, don't, I don't dive into a lot of the deep, heavy games. Um, and so I, I spend a lot of time playing family games. And I, I try to break away from the the hungry hippos and the unos so that there's something that's a little more interesting <laughs> for me as well. And, um, and as my kids get older and, and as games kind of evolve and there's more out there in the market, I've been able to, to play a lot more family games that my kids enjoy and, yeah. and that the adults enjoy as well. So you've never been tempted to kind of like bring a copy of like Scythe to the table or anything like that, and see how the kids go on. Are they a bit? Yeah, no. Are they a bit too bit too? They, young they might be a bit too young for that one. Um, I mean, what what are the age ranges of your kids? I mean, I know that you know, I know you've got quite a um a reasonable sized family. Yeah. How how old is the oldest? So I've got a set of twins that are seven years old. They turn eight here in October, and then I've got a five year old. All oh, right, okay. And then my I got another set of twins that's um, turning two here in August. Wow! So we're we're busy. I don't know. That's that's a lot. That's a lot of work. It is. You know, um, especially. I mean, the first set of twins must have been the surprise, but the second set of twins. I mean, you know, that's that's like just stern words. I mean, what's kind of what's kind of going on here? You must be afraid to potentially have any more children. <laughs> In case you get like triplets or even more, yeah, because it's in like they're kind of spreading them. Yeah, we certainly <laughs> think five is enough. We're you know, we're happy with the five that we have. <laughs> but in, I mean, in fairness, if they're getting to kind of like eight years old, I mean, that's um, that's good, that is good territory for like you know, playing your kind of your mice and mystics and um. You know some of your more slightly chunkier kind of um, kind of board games out there. I remember when my kids were just turning eight that we I I had started them on pan- pandemic by then. Um, you know it was a it was a life lesson, but um, I think they thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it eventually. Yeah, I've, I've tried to play pandemic with uh, the seven year olds and it worked all right. But pandemic is one where if if they don't know what to do, you can kind of help them along anyway. Um, we, we've we gotten in My Little Scythe pretty frequently, as well as the Grim Forest or some that we get to the table pretty regularly. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the Grim Forest. Um, the 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 great thing about the Grim Forest is it looks uh-huh. it looks like a toy because of the size of the production values and the illustrations on it are fantastic and just the individual pieces on it are really really are really really great. Um, it's not the deepest game. I prefer, you know, I am. Um, I confess to playing, but it certainly is one of those that keeps the keeps the kid in music. I'd love to play my little scythe. I've not had the I've not had the pleasure of playing that yet. Is it as is it as good as everybody um, kind of makes? I don't it? know that I'm the best judge for that, but I certainly uh, have a good time with it. Again, I I don't play the the deeper games <laughs> that a lot of gamers play, but with my kids, and even when I've played it with adults, I I've taken it to. I mm-hmm. recently just took it up to the Salt Lake Gaming Convention and was able to teach it to, to several other people. And one of the groups that I played with was just adults, and we had a good time. Oh, cool. In terms of then, what made you decide to kind of pick up kind of the white pieces of paper and the pens and stuff like that and start kind of making something for yourself? I mean, have you always been quite hands-on, quite a practical kind of person obviously you did a lot of the sports at school were you quite into kind of like a lot of the more kind of hands-on subjects you know the technical woodworking metalworking kind of things yeah so um um i guess to answer that from a from a career standpoint i'm an accountant for my job and right okay i'm i'm a very creative person and being Mm -hmm. an accountant doesn't really allow a whole lot of creativity. <laughs> and so I needed a creative outlet and I like depends, depends what your client wants. If they want to make sure they're avoiding tax, <laughs> <that> tax year. <laughs> I like to keep my clients out of jail. So I, I guess I better preface that with that, that, you know, because my <laughs> clients want to stay out of jail, I've got to, I can't be too creative in what I do. And so I took on exactly. the that day. That that definitely looks like a loss. I know that little toy poodle you've got. That's a guard dog. I mean, you can claim for food for that. I'm just saying that's protecting your house kind of thing. I'm not putting words into your mouth, Mike. <laughs> not at all. I'm just, you know, <laughs> potentially kind of saying how it is. Um, but did you start off with a couple of ideas before you kind of um, fell into kind of like Queen Bee? I mean, have you got quite like a little notebook of kind of various other games that you've kind of done and that you've covered and things like that? No, Queen Bee has been the first one that I've actually, you know, written down and modified mm-hmm. and, and changed and redone and, and tried again and, and redone. I've I've always been someone that when we get together at family reunions or camping or whatnot and we're just sitting around, passing time I, i'm always the one that says hey grab that stick and grab that rock and let's make something that we can all do as a game or whatever it is um and so i've i've always created games but i've never written anything down because a lot of it was just to, to pass time with with kids or cousins or whatnot and so queen bee was the first one that i've actually written down and kind of explored and it i kind of got introduced to the potential of creating a game from Kickstarter when I backed my first game probably three three years ago now. And Mm -hmm. I said, hey, there is a platform where I don't have to go and get a bank loan or I don't have to get a bunch of investors for a a board game. I can just crowdfund it. Yeah. Um, 
two or three years ago, Kickstarter was a lot different than it is now. And, and it's a lot more work than just designing a game. You also have to market it and fully develop it by the time it hits Kickstarter. But Queen Bee has definitely been the first one that I've worked and, and put down on paper. Okay. Okay. Um, how did you, I mean, in terms of like, if you're, if you're set, if you've got the game in front of you, and if you're about to play a round, how would you play a round of Queen Bee? I'm sitting here, I've got my cards in front of me. What am I doing? What's my kind of like my first, what would a turn consist of for Queen Bee? Yeah, so a, a term I've, I've tried to keep simple. Um, the rule book is a, a total of 11 pages, which um, mm -hmm. has some pictures and whatnot. So a turn of Queen Bee, you have 15 bees in your colony and in your, the very first thing you do is you draw another card from the deck, and then mm -hmm. your second step is you perform one action, and your actions consist of buzzing around, uh, moving a total of five spaces broken up. Um, you can use one B five spaces or any number of bees totaling five spaces. Um, you can also swarm, which if you have one bee out on a space all by itself, you can swarm three other bees to that bee. It's a faster way of moving around the board and beefing up a, a space. Um, the next option is to repopulate. If you have some bees that are eliminated from the game because you lost a battle, you can bring them back into the game by using your turn to bring them back into the game, and that's all you can do. And then the last one, the last option you can do is sting. And when you sting, you try to fight for a space. So if you're on the other end of the board and I'm on my end, if I want to attack a space because I've got to go through that space to get to the queen, I do an attack, mm -hmm. and there's we roll dice and play cards and, and fight for that space. If I win, I take over the space. Your bees are off the board, and you get a card. If you win, you keep the space. I take my bees off the board, and I draw a card. And then by the end of the turn, I have to be down to five cards, and that's my turn. And then you do your turn, and we go back and forth until there's only one queen bee left in the game. What was it, um, what was it like playtesting it then? I mean, was it easy to get? Was it easy to get people to kind of play test it? I mean, you kind of rocking up it. Did you go to like local kind of board game groups and things like that? Did you play it amongst kind of like friends and family? Yeah. So the the very first game that I played of it, um, I was so excited because I felt like I have this great idea, and every household is going to have it. And I quickly put together a map. I didn't bother with the cards because I felt the idea was good enough as it was. We didn't necessarily need the cards, but it would be absolutely amazing without the cards or with the cards. And so I, I played it the first time without cards with my wife and it was terrible. And I was a little <laughs> bit embarrassed that I subjected my wife to that. Um, and then I was patient. I added some cards and it made the game a lot of fun, but it was, it still felt like it was missing something and it eventually evolved. I played with, close family and friends first, put them through the, the painful stages of the game development. <laughs> um, and then as it got better, I took it to, to game conventions and introduced it to gamers. And the first convention I went to was out in Reno, Nevada. It's called RageCon. Um, and, oh, yeah. and, and getting, getting playtesters there wasn't too difficult for me. Um, I'm not, necessarily a shy person even though i'm a gamer and an accountant and usually those two types of people are introverted i'm, I'm more I, I like to talk to people and so getting people to my table wasn't a difficult task 
Um, I can just imagine you going like, you know, um, I'm an accountant and I'm a game designer, but if I wrestle you to the ground, you have to play my game. <laughs> and they're looking at you and going, he's an accountant, he's a gamer. And then next thing they know, they're looking up at the ceiling, you're just standing over them and saying, so is that a two or three player game you'd like to play? <laughs> kind of thing. Is that... Is that is that what you did? Yeah, I, I used force quite a bit of times at the convention to get people to play my game. No, I, it was always voluntary. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I don't know if you how. <laughs> so 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 far so far on the rap sheet we've got potential tax fraud <laughs> and we've got violence. So yeah, we're, uh, I'm doing great. <laughs> This is this is turning into quite a confessional. Yeah, I, I thought I came here for it's quite good with getting getting all this on the tape. Funny. I thought I came here for a game podcast, not a not a repentance session. No, no I think you're, <laughs> you're on the wrong podcast, son. Um, but um, so the playtesting. I mean, the playtesting. I take it kind of went kind of quite well. Was it? Did you have? Did you have a lot of people that were kind of like, oh, this looks a little bit too kiddie for me or were you did you have to kind of like get over kind of people's objections quite quickly who are maybe thinking oh that looks a little bit too simple it looks maybe a little bit gateway yeah it's it's been an interesting mix because like i said i like to play games with my kids but i don't necessarily like to play super simple games if if i can have fun with it and then when the kids go to bed i can still play the game and have it be fun and that's kind of how I made my mm-hmm. game was there's some depth to this game and, and how you play your cards and use your cards uh, can give the, the game some depth and some strategy and, and playing with grownups is a lot more fun than playing with kids, in my opinion. Um, and so when I have the, the game out there and the pictures are kind of, um, they're not realistic, they're more cartoony and it's a B-themed game and not a, a wizards and dragons themed game it's a little harder to attract people to play it but once they play it i've had many times where people sit down and they say okay can we play again which to me is about the biggest compliment you can get in a play test is somebody wanting to play it again um and so it's 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 mm-hmm. passed all the play test tests recently uh, i would say originally i don't think everybody enjoyed it. it it was a little bit slower moving in the beginning as the game evolved but but recently, everybody's enjoyed it and, and had a lot of fun with it. Did you find you've stri- you've stripped out a few of the more, um, you know, a few of the more kind of unnecessary kind of mechanics um, in the game to kind of streamline it down a bit? Yeah, and I guess an example of that, or yeah, one example of that, I have. I there's three different types of bees in the game. There's the queen bee, and then there's worker bees and warrior bees. The worker bees, they can travel anywhere on the board, mm-hmm. but they have a weaker dice. And the mm-hmm. warrior bees, they have a stronger die, but they can't travel in these trench spaces that I have on the board. And so there's there's pluses and minuses of each. And originally I had the worker bee dice numbers one through six and the mm-hmm. warrior bee dice three through eight. Um, all Both of them were six-sided dice. And, and when you battle, you can have up to four bees in a space, and that became a lot of math. And it's like, okay, I've got four bees, and I rolled three eights and a five. What is that total compared yeah. to your dice? And so I've, I've cut the numbers in half and 
and streamline it so it's a lot less math than just battling and, and quick math because people can add up to 15 a lot faster than they can add up to 37. Um, and so that was that was one thing that came from playtest and, and so that sped up the game. Um, another thing I had a, originally I had a different action which was drawing cards, but nobody yeah. ever used that because you get enough cards throughout the game. So I eliminated they eliminated that and replaced it with a with the swarm action, which allows you to move faster. And so it's that's essentially some of the changes I've made that have brought it to where it is now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was recently <clears throat> you were awarded kind of like the BB the BGG two player print and play game design contest. So you got the award of best game, and then you picked up yeah. like a whole pile of other awards: best use of theme, best rule book, creative accounting, best art and graphic. No, that's <laughs> not best art and graphic design. Was that that must have been a nice validation over and above the playtesting feedback you were getting? Did that kind of make you feel? Well, I mean, how did it make you feel when you're, you know, you're starting to collect kind of awards, you know, from BGG of all places? Yeah, that doing that print and play contest um, was a lot of fun. Originally, I entered it to kind of learn the BGG community a bit better than than I knew it before, and to kind of figure out how these game design contests work to see mm. hey, how can I improve this game and get feedback from other designers. And so to come out of it with the award for best game and then second place in all those categories that you mentioned, um, it was a surprise and, and I was blown away by it. Um, and, and to me, I think the game, I play the game the most at two player. And so I've kind of whittled that one down um, you take out some cards, you modify it slightly so that you can play two players. But to me, the, the core of the game is at the three plus players where you have an incentive to go and take out another queen. Because if you if you come and get my queen, then all of a sudden your army increases by the bees that I still have on the board. And so that mechanic isn't in the two player game. And so I was a bit surprised that it got the 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 spotlight in that that design contest. But I've not going to complain that <laughs> it won an award and then very happy with yeah. it and, and, and still was able to, to improve on it from that contest because of the engaging designers that were in that design contest. Yeah. yeah. Does that, um, I take it that must give you confidence when you're kind of moving into the, the Kickstarter side of things. Did it make it easier for you to reach out to, um, to people to help with the promotion and the marketing side of things, having kind of like that, that honor from BGG. Um, I always, I think it does. Um, if I were to post, you know, that, that form that you saw my post on, if I were to say, Hey, anybody want to review or do a podcast on a B themed game? I think there might be, um, less enthusiasm for it. But if I say, Hey, I just won the, 2019 BGG two-player PNP game design contest. Anybody want to talk about that or anybody want to interview me? I think that's an easier thing for people to latch on to. And so I, I certainly mm-hmm. appreciate the marketing tool that I got out of that design contest. 
And has it been easy to reach out to kind of like reviewers and the kind of the media makers in the industry? Have you found it quite easy to get people kind of involved with? I mean, have you been sending out kind of preview copies and the likes for to kind of gain more interest and noise that way? Yeah, I have. Um, and I, again, I think it does open the door um, to those um, kind of the influencers of the industry that that everybody tries to get. Um, and it also, when people look at the game, they say, wow, that the, the pictures look great. The miniatures look great. Everything looks good, but it's, it probably doesn't play well. And then I can just reply, well, it won a design contest. So somebody else besides me thought that it was a good (laughs) game design, not just visually appealing. Yeah. I mean, you've got, I mean, one thing we haven't touched on is you have got little minis in here, which is always a little bit of a Kickstarter darling. And you've got the dice, which again, people like on Kickstarter. And you've got the cards as well, you know, people. I mean, is it a, would you say it's a kind of a a medium kind of weight game? I mean, what, what kind of market are you kind of aiming for? Is it the kind of the younger to the, is it kind of like the family market as opposed to the kind of the gate, you know, the, the older, more experienced gamers. Yeah, so the that's the dilemma, I think, <laughs> uh, to be honest, because um, the the family gamers uh, they don't necessarily buy games on Kickstarter, um, and so how do I create this game that's for families and get people who are on Kickstarter to think that it's a game for them? Um, and I, I've Again, going to the to winning the game design contest, I think it, there's more to it than hey, there's some cute pictures and some cool miniatures. It also plays really well, um, and so mm-hmm. uh, I think I think it does have a spot in in people's closets, even if they if they don't if they like the heavier games, that they, they surely know somebody that doesn't want to want to meet up on a Friday afternoon for a four hour gaming experience or five hour gaming experience. I, I think this is a good gateway game um, and even a, a good um, slightly heavier than a gateway game for um, the type of game that it is. Um, Have you thought of price points then? I mean, if I am going to be kind of pledging the month down the line, and the the Kickstarter's out there and it's up and running. Um, what's going to be the price of entry? Sure. And so I, I've developed two versions of the game, and I'm still working on the components for both versions and the price points for both. Um, I there's a cube version of the game right now that is is just wooden cubes instead of miniatures. And that's to get, try and get to a $29 or $25 price point. More likely than not, it'll be a, a $29 price point. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. that's to get people that see it, they'll see the award, and they'll say, you know what, let's take a chance on it. $29 bucks is not isn't going to break the bank. And then... It's nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing on Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's nothing on Kickstarter as far as pricing goes. That's very... That's very, very reasonable indeed. Yeah. And then for the miniatures version, everything in the game stays the same, except instead of these 60 wooden cubes, you get 60 miniatures that range from 25 millimeter to 30 millimeter. 
and the price the price point that I'm shooting for there is forty nine bucks. Yeah, so it's like you know your standard kind of your deluxe deluxe version of a game, which is becoming kind of more the norm that you get like a a kind of a standard version of the game, and then if you want to pay more money, you kind of get the the deluxe the deluxified version kind of on top of that. So that's you know. That's not surprising, and I guess if there's a, I was going to say if there was a buzz around it, <laughs> sorry, but you know because of the <clears throat> because of the BGG, if there is a buzz around it, then that's going to encourage people to say, well, it's a one all these rewards, I can go out and I can spend two hundred and fifty bucks <laughs> on this big huge miniatures game. Or I can while I'm here I can throw thirty dollars at this game and you know it's it's been peer reviewed and a lot of people obviously think it's you know kind of worthwhile doing it so you've got that kind of thing as well which is kind of pretty kind of cool. Um, have you had to look into learn about kind of like logistics and manufacturing and stuff like that? Is there all that side of things that you've had to kind of learn about and and get used to and kind of jump yeah, up on and- you know, two two plus years ago when I started this project, um, had I known it, there's a lot more to designing a game than just designing a game. You got to worry about okay, first get the get the design in place, mm-hmm. then you got to make it look pretty, and then once you have it looking pretty enough, then you have to market it. And who do you have to market it to, and whose hands do you have to get it in? And then once you get it in their hands, once you once you've built up a big enough community about your game, then you can um, kickstart it. And if you kickstart it, then you have to fulfill it. And to, in order to fulfill it, you have to get it manufactured. How does that work? Where are the manufacturers at? And once it does get manufactured, it gets put on a boat. And then what? How does it get from the boat to people's houses? And it's a lot of a lot of stuff that I uh kind of naively went into just i'm just designing a game <laughs> about bees not not fulfilling across the world but uh it's it- yeah. <laughs> you, you expected to be you expected to be a queen but you didn't expect to actually be doing the worker but <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> where's, where's my workers exactly. at exactly exactly but as i say it's kind of yeah, I see a lot. I speak to a lot of people about Kickstarters, and I think that's one of the, you know, that's one of the things. You, but I've got it funded, and it's like, oh, now I've actually got to make sure this thing kind of exists and gets in people's hands. And you know, all of a sudden, this is a very, very, this is a very, very scary thing. So it's completely, it's completely understandable. And I think the good thing about the board game community is there's usually a lot of support out there for people who are asking questions about. Yeah you know such things which is always which is always really really good um yeah for people that have listened along and said well this sounds good this sounds interesting this sounds fine if they're interested in finding out more about the game more about yourself more about elixir more about wrestling moves you know (laughs) accountancy where do you exist on the internet webs mike Sure. Yeah. So I've my main website's www.elixirboardgames.com. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, the handles for Instagram and for Facebook are you can do a search for at Elixir Board Games, all one word, and you'll find 
cool. uh, picture of me on there and you'll be able to scroll through and see the pictures. Um, and then on Twitter, since Elixir Board Games is slightly too long, um, my handle is Elixir Board Gam 1. So no E on game, just a one instead. Okay. Um, okay. I'm not as up and up on the Twitter as I um, should be, but that's because birds are afraid or bees are afraid of birds. Um, so I, I stick to the Instagram and the Facebook for the e game. And also, it's a, it's a cesspool of hate <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the tw- what they're saying, what you're saying, yes, you see the Twitter bird, but you don't see what the Twitter bird has been dropping everywhere, yeah. basically. You know, they think that's the logo. They just think that's not the thing that produced Twitter in the first place. Anyway, that's a joke. Twitter, you're fantastic. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, whatever. Come after me with your angry blue birdishness. Apparently it's all going to change. So there's going to be angry people on Twitter now because apparently they've changed it all and people don't like change. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you very, very much for coming on, Mike. Ranting about social media aside on my side anyway um, we will make sure that we take the links that you've given us and we'll put them in the show notes so that we have notes to show and can only wish you the very best of luck with the campaign when it comes and we'll make sure that everybody is aware of it you know when it does go live um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to go to the internet webs search for We're Not Wizards if you want the website, you'll find us on .com. If you want Instagram, you'll find us at We're Not Wizards. If you want Twitter, yes, you'll find us there as well. Um, if you want us on YouTube, you'll find us on We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast for some reason because we like long, expansive names. Um, you can find us on Instagram and all these other there's a podcast catchers as well. We're all over those things, things that have got the word pod and the word cast in them and some of them that don't have any, like, say, for instance, Stitcher and Spreaker. Um, they don't have it in it, but we're still on there as well. Spotify too, we're on there too. Um, if you like what you've listened to tonight, then consider going to the Apple Podcast and drop us a rating or a review. As we say, if um, if you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars, because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star, because it's as sore as being stung by lots of wasps. Um, I guess give us something in the middle like a 5 because it's average and if there's anything I've done tonight I hopefully convinced you that um, I am very average indeed um, but the person who's not been average tonight is the rather wonderful the rather fantastic the wrestle-fest-tastic accountant number man that is Mike Bruner from Elixir Board Games thank you very very much sir for coming on the show Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. There's only two more things to do. First thing is to remember there were many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Mike? We are not wizards. And Excellent. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Mike. Say goodbye, Mike. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. And remember the Kickstarter as well. Otherwise, he'll sting you. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> And he won't die. So there you go, come back and sting you again. Um, and, this, <laughs> and the other thing is to remember, it's a goodbye from me, so stay safe, rule sixes, make something awful. 
And yeah, check out Queen Bee when it heads to Kickstarter in August. You say the 20th of August? Yep, August 20th. 20th of August, which is what we say in the good old UK. Um, America's got this messed up date system. We're <laughs> teaching them, but they'll never get their dates right. Um, it's 20th of August, Mike, just saying. All right. right. But until the next, but until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. precisely when he means to.